Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Westside Fairy Tales Horror and Literature Club, Horror and Lit Club, Horror and Literature Club podcast for uh, for October of 2019. Man, Halloween, Halloween month itself, uh, the big spooky, as, uh, as 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 no one calls it, including me. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be going off script a little bit today and by off script I just mean I'm going to be I'm going to be having a beer while I'm talking to you guys because I am incredibly fucking stressed out recently. Oh, and so uh so yeah, I'm going to have a I'm going to have a couple beers. I'm going to I'm going to talk with you guys. There she is. I'm going to talk you with you guys about uh some 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 stuff and 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 we'll just uh we'll just get right into it. Man. Oh, that's good. <laughs> This today's podcast brought to you by uh, Taft's Juicy Justice Double India Pale Ale, which um, 
I never even heard of before. It just showed up in my local liquor store, and so I, I, uh, I bought it. I, I bought it, and now I now I'm drinking it. <laughs> oh my gosh! But uh, so if you guys are new to the to the Westside Fairy Tales Horror Lake Club, don't worry. This is not a horror story. Uh, I know we're getting we're getting new listeners every day, and you might have just popped in on this. This is not uh, one of the regular episodes. Those are any episode that's basically not prefaced with you know, HLC or something along the lines of introducing when I do those RSS feed drops that I have to do that. I know everybody is irritated by, but fuck, I need to make money. (laughs) So I do them. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about the recommendations that I made on the last podcast. Uh, Every podcast, I make a literature recommendation and a random horror recommendation. Uh, The literature recommendation is almost always some sort of book or graphic novel. And the random horror can be literally anything, um, though it's mostly movies. Uh, sometimes it's video games, as it will be today. And sometimes um, sometimes some things coming up in the future is going to be even even weirder stuff than that. Um, our recommendations for this month were It, the uh, Needs No Introduction book from Stephen King, and, uh, and Dead by Daylight from Behavior Interactive, which is a, a video game that I play on the internet. And you can watch me. You can watch me play it sometime if you're ever interested at uh, twitch.tv slash westsidetyler, uh, where I kind of I periodically get on there and play video games. And if you, if you see me online, pop in, watch me get too angry at a game. <laughs> I play this, I'm going to start playing some other uh, horror stuff, and it's just going to be a place for, basically, it's going to be me trying to monetize the hours upon hours that I spend every week playing video games to relax. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> full full disclosure i just played so much video games i figure like hey why not turn a camera on and see if i can't make a little bit of money from it or i mean at least really just get my name out there more i'm also gonna be playing some games like the old school silent hills and stuff so uh pop on by pop on by and and and, and check it check it out there so um man what has been going on recently i like to start this off just so you guys can kind of get to know me a little bit better i know not everybody's in the uh in the patreon so i always always think in the context of my my patreon people because they talk to me all the time everybody in the west side fairy tales horn lit club is always always talking to me and and sending me messages and stuff which i really appreciate so i'm um, i'm always up to date with them and they're always kind of up to date with me but um not everybody out there knows exactly what's going on with uh, with old Tyler, the Tyler, the author here. Um, and uh, you know, I know it's not it's not very important for people. A lot of people are like I don't want to know anything about the the people that make my stuff, which is honestly something I can kind of get behind because I've met I've met real life creators, and uh, it can be a fucking shit show. <laughs> you know what I mean? You you finally meet somebody, you're like, hey, I really like your stuff, and then you talk to them in person, you're like, I wish you would fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> uh hopefully that's not the case with me but um as i start to get a little bit more popular and stuff i don't want to uh i don't want to be one of those guys where people think that i am i'm different than i am that it's really a really irritating thing about authors which uh just drives me fucking crazy is this um this sort of like uh we are these intellectually superior sort of sort of diverse from the from the 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 scum of humanity they're all a little elevated they all talk a little pretty you know what i mean and i think it's just everybody's so afraid of being a fraud they try really hard to act like some author acted 50 or 60 years ago and everyone just keeps aping this one type of style 
But uh, that's not me, man. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even pretend like it would be me. I'm just a fucking. I'm just a fucking scumbag kid from a lower middle class family on the west side of Cincinnati, and that's that's all I'm ever going to be. But you know, I have my interests. I have my talents, and I, I like to share those with you guys. And that's why we're here today. Uh, and yeah, man, dude, just this summer between Monstro and trying to get this new season out has been crazy, crazy stressful. Uh, just because it's so much extra work. Like you wouldn't think it, you know, um, that writing is hard work. It is. I can tell you that I've had a lot of fucking jobs, dude. I'm not coming in. I am not coming in as some fucking effete white collar college kid you know what i mean like you know hey man i've had some bad days in my life like bro i'm a fucking i'm a marine corps combat veteran and i've had almost every fucking shitty blue collar job you can think of that's not union so (laughs) a lot of stuff you could pay less than ten dollars an hour for uh man installing van aftermarket van parts and shit and crawling up underneath trucks in the dead of winter to install fucking you know step bars and shit like that working in kitchens and man like there's something about those jobs it's actually kind of like invigorating even how tired you get like your your body gets tired right but your mind isn't really necessary to the task so you can kind of just like not pay too much attention if you're just a a blunt laborer in a fucking non-skilled job like people don't understand that there's different types of blue collar work there's like skilled and unskilled i was in the unskilled side so everyone, people just look down on blue collar people and like, oh, you're just too stupid to get a real job. Like, calm down, bro. This dude's a fucking TIG welder. <laughs> you say sir when you address him. <laughs> this motherfucker will walk off a job site right now and they like, you will not be able to just fucking build anything. Uh, conversely, like, what does this guy do? Like, oh, he carries the bricks. You can, that's me. You can say whatever you want to him. His job is to lift things. <laughs> <laughs> skilled versus unskilled i was unskilled skilled laborers yeah you probably got to think all day but no not me not me my friend i was i was a fucking idiot uh, <laughs> but uh writing man writing is harder than all of those other things that i've done because it's the opposite like your body isn't really engaged at all i would say weirdly enough i get some like a mild core exercise workout because of the way I hold myself while I'm typing, I kind of got like my, 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 my posture is really good. And, you know, I'm just typing for, I, I write for periods of f- four to seven hours. So, which I've been, I've been, I've been, I've heard, uh, has been described as being insanely unhealthy, but I do it anyway. <laughs> oh man. But, uh, yeah, dude, I've been, I've been, I've been writing a lot too on top of this sort of like stressful shit that happened in the summer and, uh, like writing just, it just brains you, dude. I'll get done and I'll be still in the story half the time. And like, even when I'm not in the story, uh, what, what, which I mean by that is like, my brain is literally still in a fucking, like the metaphysical universe that I created for my characters to, to run around in and like. So I'm like, I'm still walking around the town of gun cotton, basically on main street, kind of just like watching the day go by, but actually I'm driving a car. <laughs> so, so I need to not be doing that. Uh, no, I can, I can drive cars, but I'll have a conversation with somebody and just be like, 
what the fuck are you talking to me about? You know what I mean? And they're like, how are you doing? Like, that was the difficulty of the question you just got asked. And then on top of that, man, uh, especially because I write horror stories, um, I'll be writing towards a scary moment, you know, fairly constantly, or I'll be pausing in, you know, like tense moments and stuff, and they stick with me, and I'll have fucking, I call them writing nightmares, well, I'll just have nightmares about the thing that I'm trying to write, and it, they're fucking terrible. My, my fiance, I had four of them in a row this goddamn, this goddamn week, uh, and I'm already prepossessed, predisposed, predisposed, there we go. I'm already predisposed to having nightmares because of, uh, you know, PTSD and shit from my time in the Marines, but um, that's all kind of beside the point. My, my fiance had to wake me up because I was, like, starting to shout and mumble and stuff while I was asleep. So he's like, wake up so that's good um but yeah uh on top of uh, other than that man things have been going pretty good (laughs) so so let's just hop into it now uh 10 minutes into the into the thing the the first thing i'm gonna talk about is dead by daylight from behavior because i don't have too too much to say about it uh it's a really really fun game it was released in june of 2016 i don't know if i already said that but um yeah, so it's been out for about three years, and it's gone through some ups and downs, mostly ups. Uh, the developer is not like a AAA games developer. This is actually, I would almost consider it an indie game, weirdly enough, even if that's not true. I, I know when, whenever you turn the game on, they actually tell you that it's a Canadian you know, thing, and it was paid for via some sort of Canadian grant. Like They gave them like a million dollars to try to finish the game out. And it ended up winning a bunch of awards when it came out. And li- there's literally no other games I've ever played that are are even really remotely like it. Um, I've heard it, I've heard of, of other games that are are sort of like it, but um, basically what you do is you either play as a killer or one of or a survivor. And the survivor team is four people. The killer team is just one guy. And it's really just hardcore hide and seek. So the the survivors have to uh, run around and complete five generators. You basically just sit there and you do a little mini game and it goes over. And if you, if you complete it, uh, then that generator gets fixed. And once you do five of those, they power exit gates. There's two exit gates that you can leave by. And then the gates will open and you can escape. And you want to escape as a survivor. And as a killer, you want to kill people. <laughs> so... Um, there's there's a little bit there's considerably more complexity to the game, but really not that much to the point where you can just sort of pick it up. And if you start playing it, I would start playing as a survivor, just so you can kind of get used to running around. Survivors can't do much except for drop pallets on you. There's like literally pallets when you run around. You can throw them in front of somebody and slow them down. And you're you're always trying to get the killers to miss their swings. They hit you twice. They knock you on the ground. Then they put you on a fucking hook. Uh, and then the other guys they either have to get you off the hook or they can let you die while they try to do their own objectives. It's kind of like how much teamwork can you do while also trying to, you know, complete your own objectives and, and escape. And and there's a lot of uh, things where people are like, you know, this game's impossible, man. Like, blah, 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 blah. And most of the time it's just punishing you for your type of play style. It, it's actually, it's a, it's a really deep involved and, and very fun game uh, for how simple it is. It's, it's very much like poker um, in, its, in its complexity to the point where it's like, how do you win? 
well, these are the rules. This is how a match runs. This is how many people play. And this is when you get your cards. And this is when you put them down. And these are what can win. But like all of the strategy is built in in between the lines of those things. And, and there's a lot of like trying to figure out how to break the game and how to play, how to outplay people and like, you know, uh, mind game people. There's a lot of strategy to it. Like a lot of like weirdly high level strategy against you know like what can what is this because all of the killers there's there's killers from like uh like horror movie history and then you know some uh just people that the the behavior crew made up themselves so for instance you can play as leatherface from uh leatherface from from the texas chainsaw massacre you can play as freddy krueger you can play as Michael Myers, uh, who's one of the better killers in the game. Um, and then and you can also play as the Demogorgon. And then on the other side, there's made-up killers like Hillbilly, who was, who was basically, they're like, we really want Leatherface. And like the Leatherface people, the team, they, they didn't really start getting all these licensed killers in until uh, way later in, in the game cycle, sort of, from what I understand. Because, you know, it's... Expensive, but as their as their player base built, they started having these more and more famous killers. Because you know it's it's much easier to get Leatherface from a smaller franchise. I know you might not believe that or like that, but a smaller franchise like Texas Chainsaw Massacre than it is to get Michael Fucking Myers from the Halloween franchise. Because that's that's Michael Myers, and now they're getting uh, they're having crossover with live things. So like right now. Um, they have the Demogorgon from Stranger Things, and they have Steve and Nancy Harrington, Steve Harrington and Nancy Wheeler. There we go from uh, from Stranger Things. There's characters in there, and those two are survivors. The Demogorgon's a a killer, and uh, like what I was saying, is the killers all have different strategies. They all have different powers. They all have different like latent and like active abilities, and can do different things. And then there's different perks that you can get that sort of slightly change what you can and can't do as a killer, and there's perks for the the survivors too, although the survivors don't have any special powers except for running around and irritating you until you make mistakes. And uh, and like you just get to know more and more about the game, so it's it's really hard at first, but once you hit the first of the like two learning curves, uh, the game really opens up, and you're like, this is fucking fun. Um, and you can play with friends and stuff. And honestly, if you guys ever happen happen to be online uh, and you see me hit me up I'll, I'll play a few games with you even just to like hip you to it just because i think it's a a really fun concept and it's really new and unique and um and it's like a it is a really good love letter to uh you know horror stuff because it's there's a lot of there is a lot of like moments where you're like Oh shit, this is just like a horror movie, even though it's more like, you know, crazy schoolyard murder hide and seek, where you're like, don't go in there. Like you're watching somebody somebody else playing, like, don't go in there, you fucking idiot. Don't go in there. Don't do it. He's waiting for you. And like literally the guy's waiting for you. We're like, look behind you. Look behind you, you fucking moron. It's it's great. It's it's just so much fucking fun. And it can be scary. There's a lot of there's a lot of good jump scares. It depends on the killer that you are or that you're playing against and how used you are to the game. But I've even seen guys that are like veterans in the game still just be like, God damn it, fuck, <laughs> when something happens to them. Uh, 
And yeah, yeah, and you should just check it out if you want to learn more about it. Just uh, just search for Dead by Daylight online. Uh, it's in the Steam store. You can play it on pretty much every major console. They just even put it on the Nintendo Switch. I don't know how well that works <laughs> because the game is. I will say as a the negatives to the game, it's a touch a touch buggy, and some of the higher ranking player base can be assholes. But like, if you're not used to playing with fucking assholes online on online games, like. I can't. You can't do anything for you if you if you don't like people being toxic, just just don't play online games. <laughs> there is no single player mode for this, so unfortunately, it's probably not for you. I would hate for you to go in there and be like, "They were mean to me," and I'd be like, "What? I, I didn't warn you." Like I've warned you. Um, before we go to our next thing, which is going to be the longer, the much longer discussion, let me tell you really quick about True Crime Horror Story, who is our sort of pseudo sponsor for this. Episode True Crime Horror Story is a new uh, true crime <laughs> podcast. Uh, it, it, it's it's pretty neat. True Crime Horror Story is a true crime podcast designed like an anthology horror movie. Each episode, your host JD Horror brings you his take on some of the more, most disturbing cases in history, highlighting both obscure and notorious incidents of real life. Murder, and you know we got some, we got some good old fashioned classics. We got Gacy, we got uh, Richard Ramirez, and we've got you know Kathleen, um, fucking what, what's her goddamn name? The uh, the Australian butcher lady, uh, who I wrote an episode, the first episode of the, the second season of Monstros about her. I can't ever remember her last name, but I always see her stupid face, and everyone's like, she's such a, she's such a fucking beaut. Ah, oh, she was a lucker. And then you see and you're like, what in the fuck kind of ugly ass women do they have in that part of fucking Australia where that was a looker? <laughs> the ki- the crazy radiates out of her fucking eyes. They're like little black pinholes. But um, sorry, you can uh, you can learn a little bit more about True Crime Horror Story by going to truecrimehorrorstory.com. And I'm pretty sure you can subscribe to him pretty much everywhere. Um, go ahead and check him out. Like I said, he's brand new. He started in, uh, he started in July. He gave our podcast a shout out on his podcast, which is, um, like all, all true crime podcasts. It's, it, it's blown up out of the gate. So, uh, give him, give him a, give him a look, check him out and, uh, tell him I sent you. Now on to it, <laughs> man, this is a, this is a story. I have been looking forward to talking about for like months, ever since I added it to the, uh, ever since I added it to, to, to the recommendations, I knew I was going to talk about everything because it is one of the weirdest fucking books ever. First off, nine times out of 10, when someone's like, oh, I love that. I'm like, you haven't fucking read that book. <laughs> you don't look like a reader to me. I don't think that you've read it. Uh, for, for people that don't know, if you haven't ever read the book, by the way, these are all spoilers. These are spoiler heavy things. So don't even just turn it off if you haven't read the book or you haven't, uh, seen the movie and you're planning to, and you don't want to be spoiled. Um, the weird thing, there's not really a lot of spoilers in it. Uh, it's a classic. It's a Stephen King classic. And, uh, by that, I mean, it's completely predictable. (laughs) It's not. I don't think Stephen King has ever successfully pulled a single twist on me in his life, although I love his books. You know what I mean? You can always kind of see where where the end is going. Um, so, you know, it, it, but, but it's, it's still good anyway. Like, um, I think I talked about that. I talked about that in the behind the story, so not everybody, not everybody heard that. 
I don't really believe I like I I I dislike stories that are reliant on twists always compared to stories that don't have a twist that it's like that's the necessary that's the only thing that's going to make it worthwhile. Uh it would be the difference between like most M Night Shyamalan movies and uh Fight Club, which I love. Um Fight Club has a twist and I you can watch Fight Club 500 times and the twist is like it's never that bad. And and, and actually like knowing that that's going to come and like how well it is established earlier in it actually makes it all all the much more fun when the twist comes up cuz you're like, "Oh, fuck, it was there the whole time." It's really just part of the plot. Uh, as opposed to some M-, M Night Shyamalan movies, where you're like the twist is like it, like once you know the twist, the movie is just fucking it's, it's pointless. Like I don't give a fuck. A, a famous example of that would be Psycho, um, which is has an, an an amazing twist in it that everybody knows. I, I have I've have to have talked about this before because I, I just feel like I'm treading on old ground. But uh, the killer dresses up like his mom, and his mom is dead in the bed. And that's the twist. If you haven't seen Psycho, dude, it came out in like 1967. I, you don't get you don't get to call spoilers after 50 years. <laughs> you just don't. I, I disregard your I disregard your spoiler warning uh, need. Um, that said, uh, a good story can survive even if it's been spoiled to you because it's just well told. I I tell stories. Every time I hang out with my family, I, I tell the same, we tell the same like 15, 25 stories over and over again. They're enjoyable every time because they're a good fucking story. Like if a story is only good to you because you've never heard it before, ever, it might not be that good of a story. Um, <laughs> or you might, not, you might not be that into stories. I don't know. I, I, you know, that, no judgments. Just enjoy things the way that you want to enjoy them. But it's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a uh, uh, disposition that I can really cotton to myself. So, It, the original It novel, was King's 22nd book, which blew my mind. I mean, I know he'd been writing before that, obviously, like, it's an an understatement, but I really didn't realize, because It is so fucking old, it's such an old fucking book, and it was his 22nd, his 17th, I think, uh, writing under his own name, and I think, uh, I think It came out towards the end of the Richard Bachman era. And, and Bachman was retired shortly after that. But uh, King apparently came up with the story uh, sometime in 1978. He sort of first conceived of the idea of the story and wrote it in 1981. He started writing it in 1981. And then it was originally eventually published uh, September 15th, 1986, uh, which was a year and two days before I was born. Neat, right? <laughs> and in that time, he probably had fucking eight novels come out. Who knows? But um, it is one of the, I would say, like one of the top five, not like good Stephen King novels, but like the top five Stephen King novels that he's known for. I would say it would be It, The Shining, Christine, Carrie, and Misery would, would be his top. Stephen Kingy type novels, and definitely they're the five I feel like sort of established him 
as a major power player in the writing game and in the the movie production game early on. And you know, there's feel free to argue that point with me online because I, I'm I'm in I'd be I'm not really standing my ground hard on that one. It's just a, a sort of a, a thing that I think. Uh, but as far as all normies go, those are the normie books: <laughs> Shining, Misery, It. Oh my god, I, I I said the five, and then I already forgot them. Carrie and uh, Shining, Misery, It, Carrie and Christine. Yeah. Um, and um, man, dude, It is fucking long it is the longest book i think i've i've ever read aside from drood by by dan simmons which is if if drood is not longer than it i would fucking eat my hat i've never really looked up the word count because they're hard to find you always find word counts online in pages which is fucking stupid because a page can be any different size but the words are always the fucking words in the story you know what i mean and so people are like, oh, this book is 1,125 pages long. Like, which one? The fucking the Penguin Press hardcover? The fucking the, the reissued Horizon Press hardback special edition? Like, how many fucking pages, you fucking asshole? Fuck you, Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't get that mad. But um, there's a lot of people who I know are not heavy readers. They're like, oh, yeah, it. I love that story. I, I, I read that book. I'm like, I don't fucking know if you did. I'm, 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 I don't know if you fucking did because that, that book back when I was reading uh, hardcore in high school, I used to read something around the order of a book to three, like between one to two books. Actually, no, I, I read about a book a day uh, when I was especially busy, probably more like it, it, probably about four to five books a week is the best way to describe it because I did other stuff too. But in school, I would just spend the entire day reading a book. I Time for math class. No, eat shit. I don't give a fuck about math. I mean, I'm reading a book. <laughs> Time for English class. Tyler, did you read the book? Yeah, I finished the book. I'll talk to you about your book. I'm reading my own book right now. And my English teacher would be like, you know what? How can I get into this kid in trouble? Like, he's already good. We won. We won that one battle. <laughs> this kid's reading on his own in my class. Like, fuck. How, what, what, what ground do I have to stand on? Not all of them, but most of them. Uh, and that book took me something like fucking three weeks to finish because it's just dense and it it lasts forever it probably only took me like maybe a week and a half or something but it felt like forever in high school time man like every every minute is like five minutes long you know what i'm saying the four years i was in high school still feel like something like eight decades to me because they were just miserable and boring and bullshit and now i like I, I passed four years on, on a sneeze. <laughs> like, like I fucking, I scratched the back of my neck and all of a sudden it's a new season. Like, what the fuck just happened here? But, man. It. Where do we even start with it? If you don't know, uh, then stop listening to this and go read the book yourself. Um, it is a story about a bunch of kids who are tormented by a clown. <laughs> Uh, a demon clown, <laughs> as a matter of fact, who's uh, who's who's they, they gotta they gotta kill him as kids, and then they gotta come back uh, twenty five years, twenty seven years later to uh, to finish the job, and like you either have to describe it that simply, or you just have to fucking you have to spend like fifteen minutes talking about all the shit that happens in that book, and that was the uh, 
I feel like that book, it, even if it's not, it, it's it's kind of up there with the stand on uh, Stephen King really becoming the Stephen King that we know. Uh, if you didn't know this, like a lot of his old books were pretty fucking manageable in size. You know, uh, Carrie is short. Carrie's like 70,000 words or something like that. Um, to put it in perspective for you, it's about the size of the a little bit smaller than the second Harry Potter book, maybe between the first and second. So it's, it's this really manageable, um, really easy to, to get through story. It, it, it's simple, it's concise, it's straightforward, and you're done. Which, hey, you know, good and bad on both of that. Uh, the it, it is, is not that. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It is a, it is a sprawling book, man. It's so fucking big. It's so long and convoluted. I don't even know where to start talking about it. It starts, it starts with the way that the movies do, which is, you know, the kid gets his arm pulled off by the clown in the sewer, which is pretty much one of the most iconic little, uh, iconic little scenes ever. And it's been, it's been fucking spoofed in a bunch of different, a bunch of different medium. And, uh, and then from there, you know, 
the directors of the 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 movies that would eventually come really had to pick and choose with what they with what they did. Uh, so all the kids have their own like little personal at home traumas. The main character is dealing with the uh, the death of his of his kid brother. Obviously, the kid brother got fucking disappeared slash killed. And yeah, I don't think they ever really find the body. I think the body gets gets taken away. Um, and then the uh, one of the kids is afraid of the leper. You know, the sick kid is afraid of the leper. That's Stan Uris, I'm pretty sure. Um, I think Richie's afraid of like that. I can't remember what they're all afraid of because it, it, it's the kids aren't that great of characters to begin with in a weird way. Like the, the, the more close, like Richie is a little bit more of Richie's afraid of the fucking Paul Bunyan statue. That's right. And, uh, I think mummies, somebody's afraid of mummies, but, uh, the cast is, the cast is huge, um, of these, these kids. And so they're kind of hard to keep separate. And I, I was not going to reread it. Um, but even having seen the movie like literally two weeks ago, I still can't keep the names and motivations of all the characters necessarily straight. They're more kind of like archetypes. Leader character, dead brother, girl character, uh, weird sex and romance hangups, uh, black character, dealing with racism, and uh, the sort of having to live in that shithole town after that. That, that character's Mike. Um, who I liked in both of them. And I think Mike gets killed in the, uh, in the, what you call it, in the TV movie miniseries. Uh, which, which honestly, like, I wouldn't be, they shouldn't really killed him because he's one of the more interesting characters, but, uh, they should have killed more of the characters or just had less. Like, honestly, I, I feel like that's why Stephen King just had Stan Uris. Uh, I think that's no, actually, yeah. Stan isn't the sick kid. Stan's the one that kills himself. Um, he's just such a useless character, <laughs> and it, it's really what the the what the story kind of suffers from. There's a lot of moments that I remember from it, and I kind of like talking about it and not having it really fresh and really crisp on my mind because, um. There's some parts of it that stand out so fucking clear to me, which is like the kid on the bike riding to beat the devil. Um, he thrusts his fists against the posts and still he says he sees the ghosts. Still denied oh, well, the, the posts and the ghosts. Um, and he's got his little stutter, right? And people fuck with him for having a stutter. And people fuck with Bev because Bev's dad's a fucking pervert. And Bev's like, you know, a, a weird chick in school. So everyone's like calling her a slut and shit like that. Uh, one kid's fat. One kid's black, unfortunately, which is like one of the most real things. <laughs> Everybody gets to get over their childhood trauma. But Mike, Mike is just, Mike's fucked, man. <laughs> Mike, poor Mike. Um... And you know everybody else has got has got their own thing, but it is it does it gets like an an everybody else feel, and I think one of the other things about it is weirdly enough with that large selection of kids to choose from, like I didn't really identify with any of them, and I was a fucking loser in school. I was a fucking loser, but like none of these kids were like my friends or like people that I knew. You know what I mean? Like it, it was crazy. Like I did not see anybody from my friends group in that crew of people and it it's not saying i didn't like the book i I really actually i really liked it when i read it 
because I was also a massive Stephen King fanboy. So, you know, uh, but even even being a massive Stephen King fanboy, the ending, which still makes almost no fucking sense to me, was rough. Uh, and I think I think what really happened is this is the uh, the what I call the birth of like second era King. So there's like first era King, which is like what we really do think of as as classic Stephen King. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, The Shining and Christine and Carrie. I think Salem's Lot's back there. There's a lot of his like his best well-known works, Gunslinger and stuff like that. That's all back there, back mixed in with Bachman. And then there's Second Era King, where he became a fucking superstar, and people stopped telling him, "You need to cut some of this. <laughs> you have a character that's completely. You have multiple characters that are completely superfluous to this story. I mean." In the in the book version of the story, when they come back as adults, that's not that. Even more people are added to the cast. Impossibly, one guy kills himself. Obviously, okay, that has to be you know it has to be fewer. No, fucking Bev's husband chases them to to fucking uh, to to Derry, and um, the main characters who I think of as the main character, Georgie's older brother. Uh, his wife comes and um and then henry bowers shows up and henry bowers is is obviously there uh he just gets like he just gets like written out i feel like he was more dangerous in the book as an adult character than he was in the movie but you know there's whole parts of the book because it's so fucking big that i didn't even remember i thought the two gay guys getting roughed up and the one being murdered uh, on the bridge that was the beginning of it part two was was just fucking made up for the movie i swear to god i did but it's in the book and it's just something you completely forget about because it's like who gives a shit man like i know things like that are bad and that's awful but that's like if you cut that out you literally lose nothing in the overarching part of the story I mean, we've we've already established that this town has a bunch of you know, mean, evil, racist, bigoty, bigoted type, bigoties. <laughs> what the fuck is a bigoty? Uh, bigoted type uh, of people. You don't really have to reestablish that. Like, not much has changed in 27 years. You know, these were still gay bashing kids and throwing them off the off the thing. Like, you could even you could even incorporate that in a way that actually like makes some fucking like sense and and drags everyone in. Even even in the movie version, you could cut that entire scene out and literally nothing would be lost. Tonally, plot-wise, uh, you could have started the movie with the little girl with the splotch. If you guys haven't, I'm talking about the second film, which just came out. You could have started it with the little girl with the splotch on her face um, being killed underneath the bleachers. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and it would have been, it would have had the same impact. Like, you're already killing kids. This the stakes are established. The stakes are established for this for this film. And you know, scenes like this are just they're they're extra. It's not like I've heard people describe the scene as being excessive. I don't really think it's excessive. I think it's fairly on point for things that really do happen to real people in America even today. Like that's supposed to be set in 2017. It's still very possible. And not even like you, I won't even caveat that with in certain parts of the country, that shit will just 
happen anywhere in America because, you know, people still harbor insane bigoted beliefs to people. And um, I'd say it's infinitely better probably than when I was growing up because I still remember, uh, I think it was Matthew Shepard, the kid that got tied to a fucking fence and, and, and killed. Uh, and that was awful. And that was in the nineties, you know, stuff like that would be super making the paper, but it doesn't mean that it's sort of like anti gay bigotry and shit's gone. Like if it's, if it's there at all, it's, it's still bad. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> you can't hand wave it when like, if it happens once you have to be like, Oh shit, that's a real problem. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't want that stuff to be like, okay to come back. I, I want it to be, I want it to be quashed completely. I want everybody to feel safe walking down the street at night. That's, that's the ideal. But as a, as a scene for the beginning of the movie, it's just not quite necessary. Even in the book, it's like not quite necessary. Like, and it's a huge book and the movie is three fucking hours long <laughs> which i think makes uh i think makes it maybe the longest horror movie i've ever seen in my life i don't know maybe the director's cut of the shining might be longer i'm not sure i can't remember how long the shining is but it doesn't feel like it's that long because it was made by a master filmmaker it's fucking great but yeah uh, it just has too many characters. It, there's too many characters. There's too much stuff going on that it, it's 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 really hard to like focus on and and really to remember. Like, I can remember almost every single thing that happens in Carrie because it's really straightforward. I can remember basically everything that happens in Salem's Lot, and I read Salem's Lot before it. I read Salem's Lot when I was like fucking thirteen years old. And there's still like a lot of like really cool things I remember. I I can't remember any of the characters' names, but I still remember them sharpening uh sharpening stakes by cutting baseball bats in half and then uh and then sharpening the handles on a lathe and then using the tops of the baseball bats as hammers. It's fucking that's a great that's a great scene. That's like what I took back from it. Uh in, in terms of it, I remember a bunch of great scenes. Um obviously uh I've already I've already talked about the bike and stuff, but I remember the house, the the house the one kid goes into and uh, the mummy's in there trying to get him and stuff like that. And I remember the leper coming after the dude. And I remember the kid's fat mom <laughs> being a weirdo. And, uh, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of, a bunch of those little things. I love the sweat lodge thing, which they kind of, they kind of glossed over in the movie and made it just like Mike just did that on his own. When in reality, the kids did that together, uh, as a kid that, that whole underground, um, shelter thing. I don't remember that from the book at all. I I think that's just a nod to the sweat lodge that they made. They dug a pit in the ground, covered it with a tarp and then started a fire down there and basically like made themselves hallucinate (laughs) with a fucking, with a, with a, a homemade sort of sweat lodge. And that's how they saw more stuff about it and all that nonsense. Uh, and then, you know, there's the weird sex scene, which even when I was a kid reading the book, I was like, what's going on now? <laughs> so if you guys don't, if you guys don't remember, um, to get into the last area, basically where, where the it creature actually lives, the, the, the true creature, not just the Pennywise hallucination. Uh, they have to go through a little hatch that's buried in a, a small area inside 
the the heart of the dairy sewer system. And before they do it, uh, they all just have sex with Bev, like a bunch of like 12 year olds or whatever. And maybe they're like, I can't remember, they're more like 14 or 15, but it kind of comes out of nowhere. And uh, she's like comparing their penis sizes in her mind. She's like, oh, like Ben's is the biggest. <laughs> and even I was then, I was like, that's crazy. But uh, they, I guess, I guess them not including them that let them hand rave, uh, hand rave, hand wave Richie as a, as a gay character, which is a gripe I have with the movie in, in, a, in a completely different way than like, I don't mind that he was gay. It's just, I'll, I'll get into it in a second. But, uh, but I fucking know, I'll get into it now. So, um, the characterization of the characters was, I guess, looking back on it, one of the better, the more poignant kind of problems I have. Um, and it kind of goes into what I talked about. If anybody's listened to the uh, behind the story for Umbrella Man, uh, and it's why I chose Umbrella Man and it to go together, not just because of the timeliness of the uh, of the story coming out, but because my own my own little story had characters that are more. Uh, in line with people that I knew in, in high school who kind of would hang out, you know what I mean? It wouldn't always be just like, you're all the losers. It like, you're kind of just like, no one would hang out with you. So you kind of just hung out with whoever you had. And in, in the Stephen King book, everyone's sort of stylized, you know, they're all fucking, they're all basically in love with each other. Uh, and you know, they're saving each other's asses and shit. And they're all, they're all pretty much of outstanding moral character, except with, with the notable minor exception of Stan Uris, who is a, uh, commits suicide instead of going back to, to, to fight his battles with his, with his old friends, which, you know, take it or leave it as, as being any sort of statement at all. But Richie being gay was kind of, it, it, it's weird that it's not like, it just felt so tacked on. Like, I don't, I, 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 absolutely embrace having one of the main characters be you know being gay like let him do that um but but let him actually like exist in that space and kind of like grow in it and and i don't know really how to explain this uh better than just to talk about how the movie sort of handled it so uh he never really gets a resolution <laughs> which which was the point of the entire ass end of the movie. So uh, they go off the rails sort of and do a sort like basically everybody gets to confront their childhood trauma as part of the ritual of Chud, which um, as far as I can remember in the, the book version, it's the, the main character kid who like literally cannot remember, remember his name, Stevie, maybe, I I don't know. But uh, he has a tongue biting contest with the metaphysical, spiritual version of the it monster on on a on a plane quite above our own while shooting through the cosmos they are they are literally biting onto each other's tongues and trying to bite each other's tongues off that's what i remember from that uh the movie didn't try to go that direction which i respect because it didn't make any fucking sense to me when i was a kid but um uh so everybody has their own little personal childhood trauma. Bev is like stuck in a girl's lock, not a girl's locker room, but a girl's uh, bathroom stall, much as she was when she was younger. And uh, there's all these gross men trying to get in. Bev, uh, let me be your daddy, Bev. Kind of shit like that. And it's really gross. And Ben is on the opposite side. And he's a fat kid again. He's like, you're going to die alone, Ben, because you'll always be the fat boy. 
and that's you know Pennywise doing his little thing and, and burying him. And Bev realizes that the poem he wrote was from him and not from the other guy who's the writer. And uh, they sort of connect through those spaces and save each other. And the main character confronts his, um, his uh, what you call it, confronts the ghost of his little brother. And he's like, no, you know what? I don't have to live with the guilt of your death anymore because... I just didn't want to play on a rainy day. That doesn't mean that like I was going to let you die. It was just a thing. It was really heartfelt. Good is the really powerful moments. And like all Richie gets to do is run around with someone who we haven't really established quite yet as his crush. Uh, his, you know, it's the, uh, the sick kid and they never, they they never re- they just do hijinks. They run and they they run into the, the the scary extra scary not scary at all doors, and like they they kind of do little hijinks. And then the the one guy dies, uh, after he throws a fucking stupid ass wrought iron piece to the guy's head. Um, and it's like that that should have been a moment because Richie being in the closet. And holding down all of these emotions for all these years is his trauma. And comparative to a lot of the other guys, it, it, it's on equal level, if not like substantially more worse in certain respects. And he never gets to, he never gets to resolve that. The closest they give him is like he hugs the dude after he's dead and cries over him, and then like carves, recarves their name into a post way after the, the climax of the movie. But he never really gets to like. Be like, I'm a gay man and I'm in love with one of my childhood friends. And like, like that's, that's my truth and that's my reality and that's who I am because that's like an extraordinarily powerful moment for people. And, you know, especially for him, considering he's going around and his thing that they keep saying is that he's in the closet and, you know, Pennywise, oh, no want anyone to find out your dirty little secret, dirty little secret, and blah, 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 blah. Henry Bowers comes in and yells at him at the arcade because he's sort of like feeling like, you know, he's obviously got butterflies in his stomach while he's playing video games with his kid. He's like, hey, you know, not even in a romantic way, but in the like, I just like you and I don't know how to articulate that kind of way, which is a really sweet scene. He's like, do you, do you just want to, like, I'll give you some quarters if you want to keep playing. Like, I just want to, I, I just want to spend time with you. And then he just never gets to resolve that, which is kind of like, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> give this kid some fucking closure. Like, if you're going to write him and, like, have him be who he is, let him be who he fucking is. You know what I'm saying? Like, do all of that. And they, they kind of just never do. And I honestly, I can't even remember what Richie's trauma was in the books. I think he might have been afraid of fucking. Was he the one that was afraid? He might have been the one that was afraid of little dead birds. <laughs> like. But that is, I'm, 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 I know I'm not doing a very good job of describing the stories, but um, that is like one of the things that I really liked about it. Uh, even as a kid reading it, basically, uh, you know, I, I was. I think I was older. I, I was for sure older than the kids. Um, I think I was probably like 14 or 15, maybe 16 even, when I read It. Um, and I think all the kids are about something younger than that. I don't fucking know. But uh, 
I remember being like, oh, these are like actual kid fears. Like they're like dumb things. They're like, except for like maybe, you know, being afraid of your dead brother's ghost. <laughs> that's, that's pretty legit. But they're like being afraid of getting sick and being afraid of like a scary house. Um, if you're a girl being afraid of like, you know, you're kind of like the, 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 the anvil of womanhood getting ready to hit you. We're starting to have periods and everybody's trying to fuck you all of a sudden. That's fucking crazy. Um, but they're, they're very much like, you know, they're, they're, they're kid fears. They're either kind of like stupid and small or they're very, very timely to kids. It's all stuff that you, you, you overcome as an adult. And I like that. And I, I still like that. Um, because like they kind of go back as adults and some of those old fears still sort of linger, but a lot of the stuff is stuff that they can, they can kind of get over. And I don't know if I'm, I'm sort of rambling on here a little bit, but you know, there, there's, there's things that bug me and things that like that, that I like about the book. It, it is, it is a must read just because like it, it is so there in the, in the subconscious uh, of a lot of horror writers. And it's, it's pretty much the penultimate of, of the two boys on bikes stories that um, Stephen King makes. I think, I think uh, Salem's Lot's actually a boys on bike type of thing. And if, I, if I've never articulated that before, um, it is a genre of horror that revolves around young, usually young boys. And there's always like maybe like a token, there's always a token girl, a token fat kid. And like a token ethnicity thrown in, I swear to God, just just start racking your brain, and you'll you'll start finding these you'll start finding these stories. Um, and they're they're always it's a group of outcast misfit kids between four and seven of them because of it, uh, and they get around on bikes and they they have a quirky adventures and they usually discover some sort of secret in their in their hometown either a secret that's been there or a secret that's just arrived and um this is like this is like one of the penultimate boys on bikes horror stories other boys on bikes things um you have uh, Dan Simmons Children of Night which I love and in which the <laughs> honestly believe i i would say the the token the token minority is their jewish friend (laughs) and their girl is the the gross what's her name something crab read jesus christ read summer of night i i've i cannot i cannot fucking recommend that book enough if you like boys on bike stuff if you like if you even kind of liked it but you're like this doesn't really do it for me read fucking summer of night and you'll be like oh this is how it's supposed to be uh but what else uh, the Goonies is one. Um, obviously, it Stand by Me, although they're not really on bikes most of it. Stranger Things is boys on bikes. <laughs> I feel bad, like just like blithely describing it, but it is like that every time. And I, I just wish people would fucking break up the formula a little bit. Token chick. Uh, there's a token like fat kid who's always like the funnier fat kid or like he's like the goofball except for except for Ben Port Ben's just Ben's just sad Ben's not funny Richie's funny uh but but, but yeah man it, it's a genre and I think like as far as that genre goes is is maybe not well established as I I think it is um 
it is like it lives at the heart of it. It's it and Stand by Me. I think fucking Stephen King just like he established that entire thing, and then everyone else just has to follow in suit. But let's see uh, the movies, man. I loved it. Part one uh, that just came out, you know, two years ago. I didn't think I would like it at all. I really didn't. I thought I was going to be trash. And I think it's mostly because the, uh, the advertisement was fucking garbage. (laughs) The trailer that they released made it look stupid. And like, I don't know if somebody from like the studio just told them like, you need to calm it down with the slapstick comedy. But it's like when Georgie's running down the street and he hits his fucking head on that, uh, on that, that bar. You know what I mean? And like knocks himself to the ground. Like, why? What was, what is the point of that? You're just, you're stop letting people off by letting them laugh. You know what I mean? Horror and comedy, uh, are very, very similar. They're, they're, they're legitimately, I would say diametric opposites, much more than comedy and tragedy. I would say horror and like horror and comedy are the real, the real diametric opposites. And because they they both do the same thing where it's you build suspense and then you break the suspense with comedy you break it with a laugh you know what i mean you put in the joke and that lets the the tension bleed out everyone's like <laughs> okay cool with horror you know you break the tension with a scare or you know a sharp sound or something if you're really if it's a little little on the hacky side you just play that same goddamn uh three violin chord <laughs> And then everyone goes, huh, that was some uncomfortable noise. And then, then they jump and it relieves the tension. Like as far as craftsmanship goes, you know, tragedy, you don't really ever fucking relieve the tension. So it's, it's kind of its own thing. I think, I don't know. I'm, I'm just some fucking hack fraud writer living in fucking Louisville talking shit while drinking a beer. But, um, fortunately they kept most of that stuff out of, of it part one. And it was really good. It was done. Uh, real carefully, the kids got pretty much a good amount of screen time. The one kid, um, I, I think it's Stan Uris, it's the 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 Jewish kid who's afraid of the the painting of the lady in his house. He just felt so tacked on, man. Like it, there's just there's just too many fucking characters to like give them all the amount of scare time that they need. And like, you just kind of didn't, you know, like, and you'd have to go from one thing to the other. And even in the book, a lot of them, they spend a lot of time, uh, apart from each other. And then they kind of get back together and they'll get scared together. And you know, that it's all important to the thing, but even the movie was just like, you could tell they were kind of like, ah, I have too many limes. How am I going to hold all these fucking limes? And, and they, 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 they just, couldn't quite do it uh like i i feel like they could have gotten rid of maybe even sick kid like i know he was a great character but they could have like merged him with richie they could have gotten rid of stan uris entirely and then everybody would have gotten much the, the cast would have been more balanced first off and then they would have they would have had much more screen time to like kind of just establish people and stuff instead of leaving Stan like a fucking like a like a hangnail there at the end and neither Richie nor uh sick boy really having all the amount of time that they needed and 
but other than that, man, it was solid. Like it was really good. It was super creepy. Um, Pennywise was fine. I, I, I did not think I would like Skarsgård as Pennywise, but I did. Um, he's, he was really good in the first one. Um, I think something happened when they were making the second one. Uh, so I, I would rate the first one as like an eight out of 10 solid movie, not perfect. Like, you know, to get up to 10, you have to be at like the levels of like Jacob's ladder of the thing for me. Uh, and you're, you're at least one level departed. Oh shit. I hit my microphone. You're at least one, one level departed from that in it. Part one. It part two, I would give it best a seven, maybe almost down to a six, depending on how I feel about it. It just didn't quite work all the time. There were a lot of great moments. Like the great moments really redeemed an otherwise sort of a bloated movie. Like I said, with the uh with the the intro scene is actually in the book. And I, I completely forgot it was in the book because it's completely useless information. Like, um, it's just a scene that's tacked on and you know, it could have been cut. The book is long as fuck. It's 1200 pages, whatever. If you remove that scene, you go down probably to 1150 pages. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and I guess maybe it's to establish that it is back, but you know, there, there's, there's other quicker ways to do it. And they could have done it with Mike. Just be, you know, you know I'm, I'm not going to try to tell Stephen King how to fucking write a book. Who the fuck am I? Obviously. But I just feel like there's way more efficient storytelling methods to get that information across. And also in the second movie, um, I love most of the performances. I, I can't really think of any I didn't like. The kids and the adults worked good together. A lot of people say that the kids and the adults look exactly the same. I don't know why you think that. It's not true. (laughs) Some of them, some of them kind of look like them, but I mean, it just in, in a general sense, like none of them really look like that closely related. In my opinion, I could be fucking completely wrong. Uh, Richie, (laughs) young and adult Richie doesn't look fucking anything like each other which is hilarious because even even kids that grow up from like you know ugly ducklings that grow up to be like pretty kids uh or pretty adults like they still look like themselves they don't just turn from like a like a pretty kid into an ugly adult or vice versa they they always look the same but um other than that man the casting the casting was solid um Again, Stan Uris kills himself, which, I mean, if you think about it, it's like an iconic scene just because it's something I think we all remember is that he kills himself and he writes it on the wall in his blood. But if you cut him out of the first story, of the first half, and then you also cut him out of the second half, not much changes. You know what I'm saying? Like... A few scenes are slightly different, but in general, the crux of the movie is not altered at all. He's not an important character. He's so he's so unimportant. They literally had to shoehorn in basically the the like, hey, we found his shower caps <laughs> like scene where they where they they find his 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 uh his little totem that they're gonna burn during the uh, the ritual of Chud, which, as I recall, is not is not how it goes down in the in the 
in the book, but regardless, they do sort of go around, they split up and they, they face their own traumas in the book. I do remember that. And you know, it's, they're adults and they, they, they kind of realize, you know, like, Hey, this is how this affected me, but also like, I'm a grown up and I can deal with this stuff now. Um, which is a good lesson. It's a good lesson to learn. It's a good lesson to teach kids, honestly. Um, which, you know, like, like what, what bothers you as a kid will almost inevitably not bothers you as much as an adult. And as an adult, you're going to have real adult things to be worried about. Like kid fears are, are, are intense and immediate. You know what I mean? They're, they are the fears of small, small little beings who, who don't have a very large understanding of the world and how to, how to live in it and who are not empowered. But as you become an adult, you become empowered, if, if not just by getting a bigger body, by fucking up and learning shit. So you replace, you know, minor fears like, or not minor, but like smaller, younger person fears like Beth's fear of, 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 of transitioning into womanhood with something more intense, like the fear of having your own kid be eaten by a fucking clown. Like you're, you're afraid for your kid. Now you're like, fuck dude, I don't want my kid to die. Or like your kid goes missing and stuff like that. I, I feel like that is something they could have, they could have, they could have done a little bit more with, but it, it's also, you know, something they kind of, they did, they did sort of work on. Uh, they kind of addressed it with the main character. He's afraid for afraid for Georgie, you know, because he's afraid he didn't want to, his brother died and he couldn't do anything. But he's, his fear of that other kid getting killed is much more palpable. That's like real. It's like an actual like. It's much more impactful to have an empowered person made helpless than it is to have a helpless person have a light shown on how helpless they are. In his case, he's an adult. He knows how the clown works. He he should be able to talk to this kid and impart knowledge on impart knowledge on him in a way that can make that kid survive. And yet, like he couldn't. That's like a that's a big blow. It's a fucking that's crazy, you know. But that ends up being a nothing burger, hilariously enough. Uh the the kid dies. Um a lot of kids die in this movie. Mostly kids die in that movie, which is insane. You know what I mean? I think I think the oldest person that dies, aside from Stan. Uh, who kills himself? The oldest person that's murdered is uh, is, is the the gay man at the very beginning of uh, of the 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 thing who gets his chest eaten by fucking Pennywise. After that, it's all kids. <laughs> oh, and I guess I guess uh, sick boy dies too later on. But so yeah, I'm completely wrong. But like, it's almost fifty percent kids. <laughs> um. But I say on top of that, like, so, so a lot of that was done pretty much okay. Uh, it was almost video gamey kind of in a way, like everybody had a stage to complete by themselves. Like you could even see like, you know, level seven, Bev, start, bing, bing, bing. <laughs> and then you're like, you're at the, you're at the thing at the house and the houses are all, it's like a normal place. And then they leave and it's like, whoa, it's, it's been abandoned for years, which is an, an aesthetic. I like, I don't care. I'm a sucker for that shit. I don't care how corny it was. Uh, I still liked it. I was really disappointed by the Bev scene in the movie um, because it was in the trailer. You know what I mean? In the earlier release was her and that old lady. And I thought that shit was going to be fire. And it fucking wasn't the, <laughs> the monster version of the lady was so corny. I had to keep myself from going like, ah, in the theater because she just like, 
a big goofy cartoony 3d cgi saggy tits lady and i'm like i'm not uh no i i would have much i would have much rather have that old woman just be done up in some fucking gross ass makeup and have some like shit on her and her running around naked i would have been like fuck that's insane naked old people are scary as shit i don't know why <laughs> like uh but there's a lot of movies. There's a lot of movies where you start you you see like a naked old person standing in the background. You're like, oh, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on here? Uh, Hereditary comes to mind immediately. <laughs> fuck it. Uh, if you've never seen that movie, spoiler. Uh, there's naked old people in it quite suddenly uh, in a scene. You're like, oh, him. This is unnerving. The witch. Uh, the witch, which I think I'll be recommending sometime later this season. Uh, one of the very first scenes. A gruesome scene is. Uh, lady pulping a baby and she's a very ancient crony witch lady and uh gross and naked (laughs) old people please be naked all you want your bodies are beautiful you're beautiful just don't randomly show up in the background of a horror movie without your clothes on or do because you will you will make the scene much 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 more unnerving unfortunately it was a cartoon lady and I, i i just i didn't care i didn't care too much for it um what uh, everybody else uh mike (laughs) mike is just a fucking crazy person (laughs) that's the uh that's the black dude he's just uh he's just he's just hanging out in the town went fucking nuts and doses somebody um i feel like uh the main character who's like i i i i I feel so fucking i i feel bad I, i need to stop calling him that but it's literally like all he is to me uh is is the main character um he he just exists in the second movie as like a way to to he gets traumatized and it pushes the pushes the plot forward they're like all right everybody's gonna leave you know what i mean uh let's see let's see let's see let's see let's see even in the description it doesn't say what his fucking name is That's actually hilarious. Bill. It's Bill. Um, so Bill. Bill Bill exists to be traumatized and, and then push the push the plot along in the second movie, which is kind of funny to me. He uh they're like, we're all gonna leave Derry, and then fucking Mike Hanlon just fucking doses him with some fucking ayahuasca, which is which is LSD, dude. Or not even LSD. That's uh that's DMT. That's that's daddy's that's that's daddy's hallucinogen uh if y'all have never done dmt i have and uh, i'm not gonna say you should try it but what do you got to lose (laughs) but um so uh yeah he he just doses him with dmt and he trips fucking nuts and it's just like you know what i'm gonna forget that you roofied me with a high level High level psychedelic, uh, and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get everybody to stay, and then he tells everyone to stay, and they they just stay, they stay. Um, and then you know everyone's just like you know we got to get ourselves together, we got to just kind of plan and sit down and and do this and this, and then he's like the kid that he saw on the skateboard in town dies at the fair, and he's like nope, I'm going in, <laughs> I'm gonna fucking do this alone right now. 
for no reason. I'm just an idiot. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go try to punch it in the face until it dies, uh, which he doesn't do. And they they all they all just they all just that 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 minor conflict just vanishes immediately. They're like, no, we do this together. And he's like, okay, which is a fun '80s thing. Do you guys miss the '80s and '90s when people just used to be like, "We need, we need teamwork, man. Teamwork is gonna how we get this together." They had, they had such fucking like beautiful little silver dollar mur- or morals and everything, and and it, it kind of, I, I kind of appreciate that as a as a nod. Maybe I, I'll give them, I'll give them credit, even if they don't deserve it. That that's a nod to old uh, '80s, '90s. Uh, everything has to have a moral, and the moral is always teamwork and love. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, and then the movie, the movie kind of comes to its, its close and it's, I don't know, as good as the book ending. (laughs) What are you going to do? They even make fun of, uh, the character, the main character, Bill, I'm sorry for not really caring what his name is until the end. Uh, he's like a Stephen King stand in because every fucking Stephen King book has a writer as the main character, except for the one that has a gunslinger. And the one that has a painter, um, and answer answer what book you think that is, and win a sticker uh, at the West Side Fairy Tales Horror and Light Club page on Facebook. But uh, <laughs> I, I cracked myself up like a fucking moron, and now I'm now I'm completely completely off topic. The, the ending, um, the ending is yeah, it's just as good. They they squish the heart the heart's way bigger in the uh in the books and in and in the 90s tv movie which i'll I'll talk about in a second which i remember much better um and uh yeah that that's the end they they basically they bully the clown to death (laughs) which which just which just reminds me of a south park episode about bullying which the the theme is if you bully anybody you should kill yourself (laughs) they bully the bullies until the bullies want to kill themselves and that's just kind of what it reminds me of they just they just talk shit to this guy and he's like oh bah, nah. they, they, they just shrink him and he he turns from a gigantic uh clown-headed spider monster into a little deflated clown-headed spider monster and he goes bah. and they're not afraid of him they, they they pull his heart out of his chest and squish it and he dies uh and that's pretty much the end of the movie. Everybody kind of everybody learns a life lesson. Richie Richie cries. Richie doesn't get to learn anything. Richie, as far as you know, Richie just stays in the closet, traumatized, uh, having helped kill a monster, and he gets he gains nothing. He literally loses. He loses everything. <laughs> Richie should have been the fucking main character. Like I don't give a fuck about Bill. I, I care so little about Bill as a character that I cannot even remember his name. Uh, Bill could have been gotten out if you would have taken Bill out of it and made Richie the main character and Richie getting over his stutter to become a, a stand-up comedian I would have liked that so much more or as he's a disc jockey in the book but uh yeah I would have I would have appreciated that just as much and then he could have had a few things to get over instead of spreading it out over like 15 fucking characters but I, I digress I'm not it's still a goodish book. Like you should still check it out. Like, don't let me, don't let me mock it too much. Um, it's just like a lot of the stupid, bad stuff just stands out like so strongly that the good things kind of, kind of fall by the wayside. 
Um, I still remember, I'll, I'll always remember the, uh, the smoke lodge scene was just fucking great and I love it. Uh, and it was fun in the, in the actual book. But, um, I guess that, that kind of ends talking about it. The second movie, the first movie is an absolute must see. The first movie is fucking great. Uh, no, actually I'm not done talking about the second movie. I'll get back to in some other stuff about it, but it's, it's all minor things. The first, the first of the movies was a, uh, Let's see. Uh, released in 1990 is a two-part miniseries directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who um, I assume has had other work since. I'm not that good at research. I could have, I could have, I could give you the full um, Joe Bob Briggs on this, but I, I got, it, it's it's not really it's not really my my talent or my passion. I just kind of like fucking mumbling about things I half remember. <laughs> uh, but the the first movie is just fucking amazing. Uh, I think mostly just because Tim Curry's voice is great. Like he, he's just got this. Oh, hi, Georgie! And there's like this crazy uh, claymation effects and like jump cut makeup changes to give him scary teeth and stuff. There's so much soul in the first two movies. It's fucking insane. You can tell people just like they were they were literally like, I cannot believe we get to make this as a fucking TV movie. Let's go as hard as we can. You know what I'm saying? And they just did. There's a, a clown with big sharp teeth. He's haunting people. He comes out of the uh, out of the shower to make fun of somebody and he's pushing it's the claymation hole in the middle of the shower that's kind of like okay with its its compositing. Um and and the best one of the best uh, funny scenes in a horror movie ever, which is uh, Ben. Yeah, it's it's Ben Haskum is uh, making out. He thinks he's making out with Bev, but when he backs up, it's Pennywise. Pennywise tricked him, and he's like, "Oh no!" And Pennywise goes, "Ah, kiss me again, fat boy." <laughs> yeah, he actually. He actually, uh, he's making out with her and the camera and his eyes pan down and it's, she's wearing Pennywise's pants and shoes. And then he looks back up and it's Pennywise. He's, ah, oh my God. It is. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) And he's like such a clown too. Like, uh, the Pennywise in the new movies, he's great as he's great as scary, but his clown and his clowning is only sort of tangentially there. Uh, Tim Curry's just like plays up the, the I'm a clown thing. And also like, I'm a scary clown just so well. Like if Tim Curry could have been Pennywise in this iteration, that shit would have been fucking fire. Like you would have never been able to touch it. Like Skarsgård is good. I respect he's got weird eyes. He's got weird eyes. He's got a weird smile. Like that, that weird lip thing he does is actually like, that's how his face looks. He he could just he could just be eating dinner with his his wife and just look at her across the table and be like, gross his face out. And I don't know why I'm bringing that up, but uh, but Tim Curry is just a fucking monster talent. He's he's Tim Curry. It's Doctor Fucking Frankenfurter. You know, like it, he's spoilers. He's Mister Body and Clue, <laughs> but he's also the butt. Uh, Yes, no, no, no. Yes, and no. (laughs) 
if you guys have never seen the movie Clue, please go see it. Please, it's it's my favorite comedy movie ever, uh, and I don't care that it was made thirty years ago. There's literally none that's ever been made that's funnier than that fucking movie. Tim Curry's at the heart of it. I love it. But um, uh, the Tim Curry and that just him spinning a noisemaker, and he's going ah ha ah ha like dude it's like he's actually tormenting these people and fucking loving it like he knows he's getting into their heads which you never really get from pennywise pennywise seems too personally pennywise seems much more like a bully than a like metaphysical embodiment of terror because that's really what that's really what pennywise is pennywise is the clown you could run into at the carnival and uh well the, the the tim curry pennywise the 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 skarsgård pennywise is a great scary ass looking clown but like he would never blend in with another clown he's like a filthy a filthy thing that they found and just brought around with horrifying horrifying makeup he's like literally one of the scariest things i've ever seen uh, as far as as far as clowns go but he'll never really be as scary as the tim curry clown because the tim curry clown you might just bump into him in a street in the middle of the night and he might not even say anything to you. He'll just be walking down the other side of the street and like with a, with a red balloon and then stop, slap his feet. Does that, you know, that good clown, the big shoe clown stop where he slaps his feet and then he does the, the side waddle and looks at you and he's got the balloon and he just leans in. Hello. <laughs> How you been? Fuck. Haven't seen you in a while, Tyler. <laughs> like, fuck, dude, this is going to be great. You know, uh, I wish I wish that uh, Skarsgård's Pennywise got to do more clown shit other than continually hang off of a, of a green screened out crane with a big triangle of balloons over the top of him. Woo! Woo! <laughs> it's, it's fun, though. Like, it's not bad. Uh, one thing I wish they would have done in both of the movies that I loved in the book was the uh, the actual really deep readings into the past of Derry, which they kind of didn't get into, um, but are really good. Like, uh, but they, there's a scene from the book that I will never not remember because I love it. And there's uh, a, a shootout with the police and like some gangsters or something. I can't remember exactly, but it's basically like a, a massacre of people. And there's a picture and you can see um, the, in the, the, the picture Pennywise is like stretched out from his leg. His legs are stretched out so that he's in a big, like almost like a candy cane shape with a Tommy gun shooting down at the ground and stuff. And they go into like uh, these, uh, maybe not slave quarters, but like, um, like poor black post, uh, post reconstruction, like, you know, North move. I can't remember what the hell they call that. Um, the black folk that moved up from, the South after the reconstruction there, there was, that was called something. And I, I, I feel like a bad American for not remembering, but, uh, they moved up to a lot of the Northern areas to escape from persecution. And they're like, the, the, the people that were there, like, we don't believe in slavery, but we do not like black people. And they're like, oh shit. So there's more poverty. And they're like, yeah, way more poverty. And, um, he like burns down or like basically like kind of get someone to burn down the, uh, the, like, the, the 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 hovels that they sort of lived in and um like a bunch of people died and that that part of the story is never really brought into uh into account 
is that every time he's back, not only do like children die, but there's usually some sort of like massacre that happens. And I think, uh, I think even with the, the Native American folk that are kind of referenced in the movie, they're massacred by settlers shortly, like around the time when their 27th year revolution comes up. And I really like that. So it's basically like kids die and shit and no one really looks into it. And then there's some sort of massive tragedy and then everything kind of, kind of just slips back down and then it, it takes a while to come back again, which I liked. It's one of my favorite parts of the book and neither, neither the, uh, neither of the movies really go into it, which I can dig. It's going to be hard to get into with all of the stuff that they can cover. But I mean, did we, did we really need all, all of what we, what we had in, in chapter two? Like, I know I'm going to go back to it again. If you cut Stan Uris out, if you cut Stan Uris out, you don't have to do Stan's death scene. You don't have to do all of the random Stan being talked about uh, in places. You don't have the Stan's random, uh, his bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. I'm sorry, uh, any Hebrew speaking Jewish listeners, I can never remember the difference between ba and bat. I think one's for girls and one's for guys, and it changes, but it's his mitzvah. Um, his mitzvah can get cut completely, and, you know, uh, all, all the little mention scenes, you, you probably, like, cut the movie down to, like, two and a half hours by just cutting out tiny little extraneous Stan Ura scenes that are just, just go nowhere. Um and as I as I recall, he's not that big of a deal in the uh, in the in the original series. He's kind of just he's just kind of like he's there, and then he gets he dies, and then they're like, eh. his head shows up in the fridge. That's fucking awesome. That that's something I remember. His head shows up in the fridge when they're at the at the library. I think is where they all kind of meet. They're all trapped in the library together, or is it the downstairs of the hotel? I can't I can't quite recall, but it's 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 amazing. But um. I think that's the, that's that's sort of everything I can say about it. Not not really. I mean, I could really just go in talking about it for forever. Uh, but I, I think most of all, and one of the reasons I did not super familiarize myself with it the way I do with everything else. Don't think it's like me, like kind of taking the piss. Uh, but it's it's really just because what really characterizes it is how fucking how weirdly bloated it is and how it never quite ends. Um, and like I said, it's just from that period of time when Stephen King got huge and no one, everyone stopped telling him to, to slow down because who the fuck are you? What are you going to say to Stephen King? He's like, at this point, people are going to buy shit because my name's on it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is 1986. Cut, cut to fucking 33 years later when he's just helping his fucking like talentless ass kids get fucking work. Jesus, dude, it, you, you ever want to fucking, if you ever want to hurt yourself, go read one of Stephen King's wife's books. Just go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Go ahead and do it. I, I dare you. <laughs> I don't know if he, if he ever finds out, um, I, I, I talk some shit. I, I think he'll survive. I think he'll fan himself with a gigantic stack of $20 bill, just hundred dollar bills, just sitting in front of like, his new computer. He just gets new computers whenever he wants so he can type on them. He uses them for Twitter and typing. <sighs> oh, did that Tyler Bell person say something? I don't even know who he is, which is fine with me. Um, but honestly, yeah, it's, dude, King is the king, man. You can't, you can't, you can't come at him easy. 
I'll, I, at best, I'll be the jester and, you know, I'll dance around on the floor and talk a little shit here and there. But uh, ultimately, I guess in closing, I will say I, I like all of the it stuff that's come out in general. Uh, none of it's like, that's garbage, that's derivative trash, stay away from it. I pointed out a lot of flaws in it just because I feel like it's necessary. Um, Stephen King gets a lot of credit for being Stephen King, which he completely deserves. But uh, I have noticed that there's a lot of star fuckers out there that just came out of the, they come out of the woodwork every time he puts something out. And they never, they don't talk about King in a way that I know that they're actual like King fans, you know, and I'm not going to gatekeep, whatever you can like what you like and you can say you're a fan of whatever you want to say, man. It's your fucking, it's your rights. But like, don't, don't come out and talk about how he's like, you know, this and that, and like, this is perfect. And that's perfect. I'm like, I don't think you've read all this stuff, man. Like it's hard to, (laughs) he's on like novel 73 by now. I don't even think that I was exaggerating when I said that, but I don't even think that's wrong. This is 22 novel. 22 was an 86 and like, you know, just like, I I want people to, to be a little bit more critical because every time something that he puts out comes out, it just gets like five star ratings and 10 star ratings across the board. And no one ever is just like, yeah, you know, it's okay. Like it's, it's a mediocre film from an extremely famous person's well an extremely famous person's name was put on it you know what i mean he probably had almost nothing to do with production other than like stopping by the set one day and shaking hands and people got to say i met stephen king this is wonderful and it's good it's cool it's cool that a fucking horror writer is at that level like a horror writer is the most known writer in america like that's crazy because that was not the case before Stephen King. Like he did open a lot of doors. I want to preface. I want to end on this. I talk a lot of shit about Stephen King because he is more important to me as a creative influence than almost any other author out there. I would not be writing without Stephen King. I would not have written fucking the umbrella man if i had not written or read it when i was a kid and been like hey this doesn't quite all make sense with blah 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 blah." and i I enjoyed it i dude jerusalem's lot is a fucking one of my favorite books ever i love the stand even though i many people have told me i shouldn't (laughs) like uh i just think people should be more critical of him because i'm critical of him because you know when somebody's in that level when somebody's at that high of a level you really do just have to say like, hey, man, you're not down here with us anymore. You're up there. If it ever happens to me, God bless my fucking luck. And it might and it might not. But when you're up that high, you have to fucking, you have to, you have to call people. You have to be like, hey, man, like I, that, that shit wasn't that good. Because then you, people, they start putting out shit, honestly. And that's, that's the problem. Late, late age Stephen King, I feel like he needed someone up there that was just like, Steve, this isn't your best shit. This is actually fucking, this makes no fucking sense. This is not a good, this is not a good book. I don't even know why you wrote this. Like, do you mind trying again? <laughs> but, um, that, that, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to end it on there. I'm going to end it on that, that, uh, chunk of negativity framed in positivity and just say, uh, if you guys like this, if you like this, this little deep dive hour and a half conversation on, uh, on, 
horror stuff and it this misguided bunch of complaints and nonsense uh you know like us on on facebook on twitter uh on facebook it's west side fairy tales you can also join the west side fairy tales horror and lit club where uh you, you can join in conversations like this all the time people come in there i i don't even start up half the conversations people just come in and gripe about books and movies and and they they talk about what they love and they see if somebody else has been reading something. If you want to get into a group where people do that, come on and join us um, and hang out. It's facebook.com slash Westside Fairy Tales Horror and Lit Club. You can just suit, search for us, send a request to join the group, and, and we'll let you in. Um, on Twitter, I'm at WS Fairy Tales. I tweet occasionally and um, I shitpost on Facebook. <laughs> Uh, on Instagram, you can look at pictures of our, our, our rabbits mostly. And then some creepy stuff around Louisville where I live. That's Instagram.com slash West side fairy tales, just West side fairy tales, searching on Instagram. And, uh, if you want to support the podcast, if you like this stuff, um, try heading over to our Patreon. We just recently updated all of our Patreon stuff. So it makes a little bit more sense, but basically for just a dollar, you can get early access to episodes like this and episodes of the regular podcast. At $5, you get bonus episodes such as our Behind the Stories, where we talk about you know the, the method and the madness behind any single thing that I end up uh, putting out as the, the main episodes on the podcast. And um, for like $10 or more, you get merchandise, you get stickers and bookmarks, you get uh, super early access to the episodes, and you get PDFs of the uh, stories. Basically, I send out an ebook so you can, you can read along. Um, and then at $20, you get a poster in addition to the booker and the stick mark. And if it's booker, the booker and the stick mark, sticker and the bookmark. And then, uh, at 50 bucks, we give you a, uh, uh, you can pick out any book, any story that I've, I've written and I'll, I'll, I'll lay it out. I'll print it, I'll sign it, personalized, send it to you. Uh, and then you also get the poster and the sticker and the bookmark. It's, it's a cool thing. I think. We got a lot of cool people there, and um, you know, if you want to support indie horror like this, man, I feel like a lot of times I'm the only person that's making this sort of podcast. It's not like I don't know, it, not famous. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Uh, but if you like what I make, you know, I put all this stuff out for free. Just just pop by and and throw me a few bucks. If you want to buy a shirt or a mug or a hat. You can go to westsidefairytales.com slash merch and you can support us that way. Um, but the best thing you can always do is just tell people about it. Uh, if you like the stories, if you, if you hate the, the, the West Side Fairy Tales Horn Lit Club, don't mind. But if you love any of this stuff, just, just let people know. Stop by the uh, iTunes, CastBox, wherever you, wherever you uh, get your podcasts and just give us like a, a nice like five-star rating, a thumbs up, whatever the fuck, whatever the fuck it is they have there. And uh, just say some nice things about us, man. Uh, that, that stuff always ends up coming by me, and I love it. If you have any gripes with what I said, or uh, you just want to tell me I'm, I'm fucking amazing, you can use me, uh, or you can use me. You can get me at my direct line by uh, sending me an email at westsidefairytales at gmail.com. And until next time, as always, stay safe out there. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson... A young crime reporter from Charleston is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small-town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning West Side Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast, due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.